Are you a fan of one of the three high schools in the town of Fort Mill? Well, you've come to the right place to catch up on all the information surrounding your favorite team. We're just three old dudes who love high school athletics and love the town of Fort Mill. Call us, the Mouthy Milltowners. Hello, everyone, and welcome into another edition of Mouthy Milltowners. Boy, have we got a special show for you fine folks today. I've got the normal suspects, the usual suspects. Keith Cook is to my right. Mac Banks is to my left. I'm John Turner. But, folks, we're going to jump right in with wrestling, in particular Fort Mill Wrestling. Why, might you ask? Because we've got a special guest tonight. And when I say special, I mean capital. I feel like I should be standing up and saluting. Capital Ladies and gentlemen, the man, the myth, the legend, Fort Mill Wrestling Head Coach Chris Brock is in the house. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Thank you, John. I appreciate that. Glad no, to be here, man. Th- we thank you for being here. We know uh, you're an extremely busy man, uh, especially this time of the year. Uh, time is precious, and, and I'm sure you'd rather spend it with other people than us three knuckleheads. But uh, <laughs> we certainly appreciate you being here. Um, if we, If you don't mind, if we can jump right in, your record this year is gaudy. Uh, Region 3-5A champions, congratulations Thank on you. that, by the way, after defeating Crosstown rival Nation Ford. Uh, you stomped a mud hole into arch rival uh, Rock Hill. You've done, a, you've accomplished quite a few things this year. Second place up in the hills of Tennessee. Uh, you know, the Kingsley Classic fared very well in that, and you didn't even have all the bullets in your gun. Union so Duels that won that. We could wax poetic mm-hmm. about this year for, for ages. But, Coach, from your perspective – Tell us the good and the bad and the ugly of this year's Fort Mill Yellow Jacket Wrestling Squad. Uh, well, um, I think what is uh, contributing most to this group this year is just years of experience. Most of these guys have been with me since uh, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade. I think we've got about 10 guys uh, in our lineup or in our group of about 20 uh, who have been in it since elementary school. So, um you know, we don't really have any superstars, but what we do have are years of experience, uh, and that, that speaks volumes in this sport. Uh, they've, they've really carried us. Our seniors have carried us, and we're fortunate enough to have some underclassmen who are uh, coming in out of a, a phenomenal middle school program, you know, with my coaches I have in place. They've stepped into those smaller weight classes and, uh, you know, really doing a great job. It's a tough sport, especially for a 14-year-old kid to be in, uh, competing on a 5A high school level, and, you know, they're doing a great job. So, um, you know, just years of experience among the ranks and a lot of good help. That certainly certainly plays a role. Well, I'm going to ask a journalist question because that's how we usually get in trouble doing what we do. But what's it going to take in your mind to bring home a state championship? What will it take? Um, well, usually the uh, analogy I use is uh, – just giving up the field goal and not the touchdown. You know, our guys going out scrapping, brawling hard. We're going to lose some matches. But, you know, just not giving up the pins and not giving up the bonus points. Uh, if we're going to lose, uh, we, we need to let the other guy know we were there. And, uh, you know, it can't, be, uh, it can't be too deep of a wound, nothing that we can't overcome. And over the course of a 14-match duel, uh, I think that's going to be what, what plays the greatest role is uh, – those guys just scrapping and keeping it close and win where we can. But if we're going to lose, then it's got to be tight, got to be close. And, you know, like I said, not give up the six, give them the three. Do you, feel like, do you feel like this is one of your 
deeper teams you've had in, in recent years? I mean, like you said, there's no superstar like an A.J. Light or a Jay Cart, but you guys got a lot of, a lot of depth because when you guys had injuries and you had to have like JV people fill in and different people fill in, it seems like you really didn't miss a beat. So depth-wise, you feel good about this year's team? We do. We, we've, got, we've got depth that, that has not been the case in the past. Traditionally, we've had uh, what we called a better tournament team where we could go to a tournament of you know 30 to 50 teams and we'll have five, six, seven guys just blow it up, you know, winning or play second or something like that, scoring a lot of points. But in those other weights, we were a little thin or young and, and, and lacked experience, whereas this year um, we, we're, we have a little better dual meet team, more, much more balanced. Uh, we know what we're going to get out of each one of the guys. And uh, so, yeah, depth does play a role in it, you know, and, and I guess 23 years of pushing it and making it, uh, molding it, um, it's, it's come to – come to work in our favor so yeah we, we we were fortunate in that regard but i think one thing you guys have at, at fort mill wrestling that maybe a lot of other teams don't have is these guys don't come to you freshman year and say i want to wrestle usually by the time they get to high school they've had maybe even a decade depending on how they start a decade worth of wrestling so tell us a little bit about, I guess, the youth program you started way back when and how that's kind of, kind of, you know, allowed you to kind of build, build through the ranks over the years. Yeah, that, uh, that's actually, uh, I, I enjoy talking about that. You know, I came in uh, 23 years ago. I guess my first year here was 2000, 2001. Uh, and we, we immediately started a youth program. Uh, we practiced over in the old Bank Street gym, uh, Tommy Bell and I and Robbie, his brother, we'd go over and set up old mats over there. We'd play ping pong until about 6 or 7 at night, and then uh, we'd have, you know, 30, 40, 50 kids roll in there, and uh, you know, anywhere from ages 5 to 12, and that's been going on all that time. Uh, we moved from the old Bank Street gym. They moved us up into the old library over on Bank Street, and uh, we were wrestling around iron poles. Um, and, uh, so we, we actually moved out of there. We ended up over at the Springs complex for a season. We moved out of there and ended up over at Gold Hill elementary for a couple of years. And, uh, uh around 2013 is when we opened up our, uh, our wrestling room here, the, the school district, Fort Mill admin really helped me get that place, uh, put together and it's been a godsend, you know? And so, Right now, our youth, middle school, JV, varsity, they all practice in the same room. So, yes, a kid, uh, oftentimes here in the, in the last couple of years, we've had situations where a kid graduates and has spent 10, 11, 12 years with us. So, yeah, that, that plays, a, plays a big role uh, in, our, in our being able to remain competitive, you know, going through – the opening of two high schools that every time that happens you take a bit of a blow but i guess we have been able to absorb it to some extent by you know i guess raising them up from from just babies honestly so yeah that certainly helps us i'll say this i've actually gone into the wrestling room to ask a couple of questions either you or coach Murillo, and i'm still not quite sure what's quieter the library 
or your wrestling room because everybody is just the door opens nobody looks at who's coming in the door it is laser focused on the person in front of them and some of these drills that you have them do they're pretty intense you have to be really concentrating on the person in front of you with some of this stuff don't you oh yeah uh, you know i i've said it for years wrestling is uh wrestling really is an art form um you know they call boxing the sweet science well wrestling's really really no different um you know to the to the untrained eye i guess or to the casual fan it just looked like a street fight out there you know but there's there are hundreds of decisions being made in split seconds and it just takes hours and hours days weeks years and years to to to, i guess i won't say perfect because i don't think we ever get there but at least to master it to a degree where you can uh, be competitive on a on a state and national level like many of our guys have been well I'll, i'll go ahead and ask this question so you mentioned the name tommy bell uh tommy bell is now the athletic director of the tl hannah yellow jackets after being the athletic director for the hillcrest rams what does it mean to you personally and as a head coach to see someone like a tommy bell who's a great guy go on and achieve such levels of success knowing that he sort of got going here at fort mill with you well um you know as, as i mentioned earlier i've had incredible help and support here from day one from every athletic director every principal every school board and every assistant coach I've had they've been uh, amazingly supportive and and always willing to work and go the extra mile so yeah when I came in uh, my AD asked me who I thought about as an assistant coach and just coincidentally Tommy had just graduated from the Citadel so I brought him in as I, I guess a 22 year old brand new college graduate new teacher and uh and i had actually known tommy for god most of his life probably since he was about 12 or 13 years old um so i knew what i was getting in that i knew i was getting a workhorse and someone who absolutely loved the sport and i knew he would help launch this thing uh in a direction where i wanted it to go and we were fortunate enough the following year to get his brother robbie in who uh, actually is now the athletic director at the new Fountain Inn High School in uh, Greenville there. So, uh, yeah, Tommy and Robbie were my couple of my first assistants, and, you know, they went on to bigger things. And um, a guy named Ed Duran came in with me. Ed gave me a call, um, you know, and told me he had a young son and he'd like to get involved in the program. And, you know, I get those types of calls quite often, but you never know. <laughs> You know, you got a lot of people who want to help, but uh, I talked to Ed, and it turns out he had wrestled at Arizona State in college and Trenton State and re- uh, coached at University of Georgia back when the SEC teams had wrestling programs. Um, so he's been with me a long time. Uh, Adam Marillo came in, a guy out of New York, been with me 18 years now. Um, and since then, I've had so many of my former wrestlers come back. And, you know, I currently I've got – A.J. Lighton in the room, a three-time champ, was captain of the NC State uh, program for a couple of years. Uh, Josh Sismadia, Mac Wells, Mitchell Austin, all of those guys are former varsity wrestlers, state champs, placers. So, um, you know, with that kind of help, it's almost hard not to be successful unless I, you know, somehow screw it up. And hopefully hopefully I haven't done that or don't, don't anytime soon. So, Well, I think that says a lot about 
your influence on them making a lasting impact and and you know, you're kind of your coaching tree and its branches are kind of expanding but tell us a little bit about obviously you know you're part of the old Jim Barnes coaching tree like like you were one of his guys and then now you know that kind of carrying on that legacy with him so I guess tell us a little bit about and I know Rock Hill is probably not always the favorite subject but your your Rock Hill days and and your days as a Bearcat I guess growing up wrestling yeah I uh that's how I was introduced to it um you know when I was I guess eight or nine years old uh, my brother came home and told my dad that uh the PE teacher had asked him to join the wrestling team he was in the seventh grade at the time and of course my dad being a you know he was a fan of brawling and scrapping and boxing you know and he was all about it so that's where it took off i was following my brother around to these tournaments for years and uh that's bobby right my brother bobby yeah uh so yeah i came up uh through that uh rock hill program at that time a guy named tom ellenberger was the head coach and um you know there were some junior high school coaches in the area rick neal hank hammond they were all we were all involved together just working out training together um so yeah you know and then i hit rock hill high school and that at, i entered rock hill high school the same year jim barnes did and uh you know as mac mentioned you know rock hill and uh us here at fort mill as far as wrestling goes we have a heated rivalry and that's a good thing but you know you you have to give rock hill credit those guys you know uh starting back in the mid 70s is where that thing took off and they've you know anywhere they go since then they're their respected program and should be so uh coming through that under jim barnes um he's uh you know he's a legend i mean and i don't mean just in the sport of wrestling that guy uh has influenced the lives of thousands of people uh, obviously uh, myself included um, so, yeah, I learned a lot of things from him as an athlete, and uh, I worked with him at Rock Hill High School as an assistant coach, um, you know, certainly bringing a lot of what I learned uh, from him to to the table here at Fort Mill, and, you know, so, um, so here we are. But you also went on and wrestled at James Madison? I did. I actually, right out of high school, I went, to, I went the JUCO route. I, uh, uh, unfortunately, I was too... Uh, interested in wrestling while in high school and uh, not interested in the academic side of things as much as I should have been. So I went uh, to coach Barnes. Not necessarily the student athlete. Yes, I was more interested in the athlete. You know, I was wrestling all the time. We had mats in my basement. You know, it's it's pretty much all I did. And, you know, I didn't take care of my academics as I should. And uh, fortunately, Coach Barnes had uh, his best friend was uh, Bill Lamb who was the head coach at University of North Carolina and they had an assistant coach there named Tom Martucci who uh, the year I graduated uh, Tom took the head job at Chawan College in Murfreesboro North Carolina so that's where I went I headed out to the peanut fields of North Carolina eastern North Carolina and and I'm telling you man when I say there was nothing there there was nothing there it was a like a stoplight a Hardy's and that small school but if you uh, want to get away from it all it hasn't gotten out there yet right? yes <laughs> yes it, it's so true man I, you know and, and a lot of kids went out there for other you know other sports football baseball whatever and they would leave because you know they would say there's nothing to do and, and and it was to me it was the perfect it was the perfect storm i was out in the middle of nowhere with a great practice facility and a 
Division One national champion as my head coach. And then it, it was at that point where I started to, you know, I, I learned the real um, parts of training for the sport. Coach Barnes was phenomenal. Uh, but this guy, Tom Martucci, he had, he had been through the fire training with Olympians and, you know, and he brought all of that to our little room there, uh, in, in there in Eastern North Carolina. So, uh, so yeah, I, I went there, went the JUCO route, uh, wasn't sure what I was going to do out of, out of, out of Chihuahuan. And, uh, actually my sophomore year at Chihuahuan, there, another coach came in, Mike Moyer, who, uh, was you know in his own right just equally uh, talented and amazing you know I mean the guy just taught me so much uh, about the technical sides of the sport and uh, you know I learned a lot from him and he uh, he went on to coach at George Mason and really put them on the map and is now the executive director of the National Wrestling Coaches Association and traveling the world supporting and growing the sport so you know how I got so I was in the right place at the right time with all of these phenomenal coaches. And, uh, he, he had left Mike Moyer had left James Madison uh, the year before. So that's how I landed up at, landed at JMU. Um, one of the best decisions I ever made. And I don't mean that in terms of a wrestling aspect alone. I mean that, uh, what an incredible university and opportunity to meet, you know, some of the best friends I've, ever known and still still have and uh you know traveling all over the country and being you know meeting people from all over the world it was it was an incredible experience i don't think i really appreciated as much as i should have at the time but looking back it it was really one of the best decisions i ever made to go there well to be honest with you i think all of us in this room can say that about our alma maters we didn't appreciate it at the time because with with Youth comes a lot of ignorance, as we know. Um, but I'm curious about something. The the lesson that you had to learn the hard way, unfortunately, is that what drives you today with your student-athletes? Because you're known for setting the bar for academics and wrestling. And and you're, you don't cut corners, and you're not one to mince words either when it comes to what you expect from each and individual wrestler. Well, um <laughs> I think oftentimes a good coach still has something that he wants out of the sport, you know, and uh, I never achieved many of the goals that I had set for myself, you know, and those goals were lofty and high, and I'm glad I had them. And, you know, most were not achieved, but, you know, as I tell my kids so many times that when you set those goals high, whether you reach it or not, good things are going to happen along the way. And so that's what I try to preach to my to my guys is – uh you know, when you when you enter the program, your goal should be nothing less than becoming a state champ. And obviously, everyone's not going to uh, achieve that. But uh, along the way, you might uh, win a lot of matches. You might be a couple times state placer. You and, and you might just happen to open doors of opportunity uh, through the sport. You know, and so that being said yes they do have to maintain their you know their grades their academics i do expect that and most importantly you know i expect them to behave themselves in the classroom and be respectful of their teachers and just like any other coach or you know any other program we have our issues but um you know i have a great relationship with with our teachers here and they they oftentimes give 
give me a chance to work with those guys, you know, to help them, um, as my dad might say, help them to see things a little more clearly. Um, so <laughs> we, we're all smiling because we all know exactly <laughs> yeah. what that means. Absolutely. <laughs> um, one of your wrestlers is your son. <clears throat> yes, Caleb. And tell us a little bit about that dynamic and, and where you sort of have to kind of draw the line with, okay, dad slash coach slash mentor slash that's got to be a, a sort of a, a razor thin line to have to walk across every day. Well, um, it, it, it can be, you know, and, uh, I think now my, my boys, Caleb and my oldest Wade, who also wrestled for me here at Fort Mill, um, they, uh, they would probably say that I maybe, you know, maybe I treated them a little bit differently, but I don't think I did. And at least if I did, it wasn't intentional. I, I, I think I expect the same from them as I do any of these other guys, you know, work hard, commit to it, dedicate uh, their time, um, manage their lives and, you know, and to be the best they can be at the sport. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, I, and I, but I do know there's no doubt that there has been a lot of pressure on them, um, uh, to perform. I felt it. I mean, I felt it as a young kid, seventh or eighth grade. My brother was, you know, Mr. Wrestling at, you know, Rock Hill High and had gone on to wrestling college and, you know, I was getting out here getting smoked in the seventh grade, man. I was getting crushed, and, you know, I, I felt it. So I can only imagine how my boys uh, might feel. Uh, but I've tried not to put too much pressure on them. You know, I just I just really want them to be involved in the sport. You know, uh, everyone's not going to be a state champ. Everyone's not going to be an All-American. Every coach isn't going to win the state title. But, you know, just give what you can to it and uh, – you know, see what see see what happens, but you know where where my boys are concerned. It, you know, we, we could have had a a bad practice, and you know, the weird thing about that is that that also comes home with them. You know, he, they're living with that guy now. <laughs> so uh, so it was a little bit it, it it was a little bit different, I'm sure at times, but um, it was certainly a a pleasure and a joy being with them. Not many people get to have their children at at work with them you know and that that was a unique experience yes well i imagine that that your wife probably felt like the referee at times uh maybe with a a, a blue card and a red card and and the bracelet on each side but uh we, of course we say that a little bit of fun but also seriously but but tell us about your better because behind every great coach <laughs> is an even better spouse that has to deal with a lot that a lot of people just don't realize but your wife, on the other hand, is right in there with everybody else. You go to a match, a duel, whatever, yes. she is right there working hard. And when I, the first time I ever met her, I didn't even know who she was for like five or ten minutes <laughs> because that she just jumped right in and started working. Yeah. Yeah, she, uh, yeah Debbie, man, um, Debbie was actually a wrestling fan before I ever met her. I met her when she was 19 years old. Um, and uh, she had been uh, involved with the wrestling program at Rock Hill High School, helping run tournaments, helping, you know, being a, a manager to some extent, just being heavily involved with that over there. And uh, so, yeah, we, uh, you know, we dated for seven years, got married in 96, uh, and she has been uh, by my side, you know, in terms of uh, supporting what I do uh, 100%. Uh, 
she has never once complained about what I do. She knew what it was I was doing at the time we met, where I was going with it, and and she has been 100% supportive uh, ever since then. And there have been times, I, I, I know there have been times when, especially when the boys were small and I was gone to a national tournament or whatever for four or five days and, you know, and the kids are sick and, uh, you know, I, I, I know that was hard on her. Um, and, uh, you know, but never, not one time has she ever complained about it. And she, again, she's been supportive. And, um, I guess ironically, uh, it turns out that, uh, Debbie, uh, has recently discovered a couple of stepbrothers, um, um, much later in life, you know, they're 50 some years old now pushing 60, but it turns out both of those stepbrothers, one wrestled at university of virginia the other wrestled at virginia tech so anytime wow. yeah anytime we get together we're <laughs> you know the conversation of wrestling pops up and it's just as natural as breathing you know so mm-hmm. you know i think it's in our blood i don't know so that's an amazing story wow all these years later yeah that's yeah. a that's a, if you got a couple of hours i could drop that <laughs> on you man it, uh-huh. it it's yeah. honestly uh book material is uh, it is it harder for her being a coach's wife or a wrestling mom well, it I mean, depends on if we win or lose. You see way Caleb go through it. You get a lot of trouble in. Uh, I've, I've, I've watched her sometimes watching Caleb wrestling, and see, she seems just nervous and, you know, just being a mom, and it's understandable. That's your kid out there, you know. Yeah, she, uh, you know, Debbie generally is pretty cool character about most things, but uh, I do know when, when Caleb or Wade or even Ben, when Ben, the middle one, was wrestling, she – you know, she'll get dialed into the moment and be very much engaged and worried and excited as 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 any mother would would be. Uh, you know, in terms of li- that relationship at home, um, you know, Debbie has been my sounding board. Uh, God knows, man, there have been some amazing highs and some terrible, crushing lows um, in the sport over the years. Uh, you know, we've we've of course we've won a lot of things and we've had some amazing performances at state and national tournaments and uh you know as any coach experiences if they stay in it long enough you know you'll have some um tragic events and things that happen you'll lose athletes you'll you know families break up you, you know things like that and she's been she's been right there man I, she's been my sounding board for you know for 26 almost 27 years so Something I'm sure you probably noticed that I looked at in amazement uh, the very first tournament that that I worked for you, the number of wrestlers that went up to her, Miss Debbie, Mrs. Brock, she was basically an assistant coach. That the way that she was handling them and mentoring them and answering their question and and not really laying it up for them, but sort of guiding them in the right direction, but, but letting them figure things out as well. That's got to be an added bonus in the fact that she is there, but not only there, but also helping you mentor these young people as well. They're going to remember that the rest of their lives. Oh, yeah. they. Uh, I mean, they know, these guys know that if they have a question or a concern that, you know, if if, if they can't grab me or they're – concerned about approaching me or whatever about it somebody will have the answer and it's 
very likely that she might or can can put them in the direction of where to find it you know so yeah she's she's been a she's been an integral part of it man she's been been very very important now uh, you do know that they're going to ask her right because you understand the reputation that you do strike the fear in people <laughs> i, I don't know man. included <laughs> um, i i i don't know man i you know i guess i have that reputation but i i just you know i'm I, I guess I'm just a competitor, man. You know, I, I, I've always, always had that uh, characteristic. It's characteristic, and I guess at times it's probably not been the the best thing. You know, we, you know, I play, you know, ping pong with my kids in the basement, and uh, <laughs> I'm taking no prisoners, man. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm full battle. You know, we could be playing cards in the house. You know, I just, I just, I want to compete. I want. Um, my athletes to perform and you know there's only one route to to being as competitive as you can be and that's do giving it all you can so that's i guess that's just my expectation but you've also but, never seen a fishing hole you hadn't liked either oh my god you know i i i would fish every day i found, <laughs> I've, i find myself you know traveling all over the place you know over the years all around different parts of the country or you know i'm staring off into rivers and staring over at farm ponds and things like that you know it could be the dead of winter, and I'm, you know, I'm thinking about, man, I bet that'd be a great place to go fishing, you know. And I, uh, as much as I love the sport, I was telling uh, Travis Collier a, a few days ago, I absolutely love the sport, but I know uh, about this time of year, when I walk out that back door after our practices at night, and I hear these bats dinging out here on the field for baseball practice, I know that spring is coming, and. Uh, I'm going to be back on that water again soon. So, yeah, man, outside of wrestling, I would say fishing is, uh, is, my, is my next vice. Well, you, um, did, so are, are you familiar with Rich Fletcher out at Charlotte Latin? Yeah, I, I know of him. I don't know him personally. Right. So um, he's been out there forever. That's where I went to high school. Yep. And so we've got the, – the first thing I thought of was him when you said fishing ponds because there's a nice fishing pond out there behind Latin as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, as a matter of fact, you know, when I was at Chowan, uh, again, there was there was nothing to do, man. Beautiful area, beautiful place, but uh, you know, there was a little pond there on campus, and I would spend hours and hours and weekends out there around that pond because, you know, man, I was I was five hours away from home with no way to get home. I didn't have a car, and, you know, my parents sure as heck weren't going to, you know, fly me home or anything you know i would have had to go to norfolk to get on a plane you know or so, raleigh or, or raleigh or somewhere so man i was just stuck and uh so yeah i passed my time um wrestling fishing and uh you know i look back on it and honestly i wouldn't trade it for anything it was a great experience because there were no distractions therefore there that's less ways to get in trouble so to speak no, not that there, you did i'm just saying you see what I'm saying that where you where you can go to say a University of South Carolina or or a Georgia or somewhere like that where it's hustle and bustle and people all over the place whereas in a place like that where it's nice and quaint allows you to focus on the sport that you so love. Yeah, I mean obviously, you know, well, anybody can find trouble anywhere and you know, I certainly found my share of it. I was a young man, so um <laughs> we've but, all been there. <laughs> but um you know, that that place Murfreesboro, North Carolina, um was just a very quaint casual area you know again my my coach tom martucci he really introduced me to the really the physical aspects of training and 
you know, I'd be out at midnight, one o'clock in the morning, out running those old streets, and all you could hear were the buzz of the street lights and my footsteps. And uh, you know, I just look back on that so fondly. And it even got to the point where the, you know, the older folks there in town, I had my certain routes that I would run, and you know, they yell out to me and they knew me by name and you know i would pet their dogs running around and and the same thing at, at james madison you know again i had some awesome teammates much more talented than i um incredible coaches there you know a uh, guy named pete schuyler uh, division one all-american for lehigh um jeff boyer who actually uh was a teammate and as it just so happened, uh, Pete Schuyler left and went to the Naval Academy. So my teammate became my head coach my senior year of college. Now, we had an academic advisor, Joel Videlli, who he really wasn't a wrestling guy, loved the sport. But he's the guy that really uh, kept the wheels on the train, you know, and the, the logistical thing t side of things. And uh, Jeff Boyer was really the, the on-mat coach. But – Again, you know, with Skyler, Boyer, um, and some of my teammates, that's really where I learned. I mean, God, I learned everywhere I went, but I learned a lot there. You know, but most of my teammates at JMU were New York, New Jersey, uh, Virginia. And, you know, generally speaking, you know, the South wasn't a wrestling area. Um, so, but it is now. Well, in many parts, yes, in many ways. You know, the, the our state has come a long way, and our kids – can compete on a national level, uh, certainly not as deep as some of those stronger wrestling states. But, um, but yeah, man, I you know I was very fortunate to. It just seems like things lined up well for me, you know, and uh, just fortunate to be around that kind of knowledge and experience and opportunity to to bring it back to bring it back to Rock Hill. I was I worked in Rock Hill for a while, and then for the last twenty three years here at Fort Mill. And speaking of Fort Mill, I. I don't know if you realized it, but you know you're closing in on 450. I I di I really didn't. I knew yeah. I knew a couple of years ago. Remember when we were we went to Tennessee and I and I mm -hmm. and I didn't go. Mm -hmm. I know we hit 400. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In Tennessee, and I wasn't even there. Uh, something had come up. My brother or something had come up. I just felt like I needed to be home. You know, it's you know, and I had man, I I could send. Marillo or Duran or any of my coaches, man, I they this program would not miss a beat, man. So it was just a situation where I felt like I needed to be home, so I didn't go. But yeah, we hit 400 right. like three years ago, I think, or whatever, whenever that a was. Years and ago, yeah. So, well, we had that COVID year, and you guys didn't wrestle as many matches, and everything was scaled back. So, but yeah, I think. I th think depending on how things go with the first second round of the playoffs you'll be hitting 450 oh wow um i've been i've been haven't been stalking you but i've been keeping track well i know he's been stalking you know man you know i don't know dwayne we've had him we've been stalking dwayne for about a month so i have to ask uh mac or ed duran like man where are we like you know uh people like the individual records on my guys i don't know if yeah. it wasn't for Ed Duran in terms of our individual guys, hell, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be a mess. Um, and Mac, you know, I ask him because every year I update this uh, program flyer thing uh, that I use. I mean, I pass these things out to everybody. You know, I, I print them by the thousands, and I'm giving them out to 
people at uh, the Strawberry Festival or, or Walmart or it's people I see in the parking lot, you know. Um, so I update it each year, and I have to ask him, like, man, do you know what our record is so I can kind of keep up with this? You're just hoping he doesn't look at you and go, a lot to a little. Well, you know, something. Yeah, that, yeah, I would be. I just say, well, I would just say, okay, like I always do, like you know, just. Well, I guess that's it, just the sports nerd in me. I, I try to keep. Cause yeah, the did, bad yeah, thing yeah. about Fort Mill is, is back in the early days, the fifties, the sixties, and stuff. All these old coaches, they really didn't keep that stuff. So you gotta, you gotta either scour old yearbooks, which fortunately my dad had thirty or forty years worth of them. <laughs> yeah, and either that or. Do what I've done is like go over to York County Library and get out all this old microfilm from the Herald and from the Fort Mill Times and just scour it together. and stop and then start yeah. adding numbers like this. This was this score and then this guy. So this was the coach then. This was win number twelve. This was, okay, yeah. It, I mean, it's it's time consuming and and that's one reason we were able to keep up with. I was able to track down the Wayne stuff and thankfully. You know, fortunately, my dad kept up with a lot of that stuff, and you know, through old yearbooks, they would they'd put the old black and white team photos in there and be like, "All right, and here's their schedule. Here's their schedule, yeah. and they'll have W or L bot, mm-hmm. and yeah. then you just no add it. Yeah. yeah. And by the way, Coach Brock, I'll let you in on 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 a business secret. The sign of a great manager. I learned this in college, and I learned this in the real world. The sign of a great manager is one that can take a two week vacation. And their team doesn't miss a beat. That's like the truth. It. Well, yeah. that is the truth. Yeah, and my I, wife, by the way, is a manager of a group. And when she goes on vacation or we go on a long weekend to see our child in Charleston or something like that, her team, her phone doesn't ring because everybody knows yeah. the role, everybody knows the expectation, everybody's empowered with the information that they have to have to be successful, and they do it. That's empowerment. That shows the commitment that that you've put in, the hard work you've put in. But the structure that you've built, where if you're not there, it's okay. It's, it's not still going to be apart. okay. Oh yeah, man. I I I am very fortunate to have those guys in place uh, who can run those practices. They can be on the buses to supervise. I know that if they go on an overnight trip somewhere, uh, the kids are supervised, well taken care of. The the parents can minds can be at ease. You know. Uh, I'm so fortunate because we all hear stories of all around the country of, you know, something uh, crazy happening with an athletic team or something like that. So, uh, yeah, I have great support in terms of my coaches and, you know, the, the parental support here has been unbelievable. You know, in fact, I've said for years that if uh, if we ever start a Fort Mill Wrestling Hall of Fame here, and I used to say that jokingly, just hey, the Fort Mill Wrestling Hall of Fame. But you know, you know if it of, if it ever of, happens, you got a lot of candidates. If it ever happens, uh, actually, one of the first inductees should be a uh, uh, lady, um, Mary Ellen Mockridge. Uh, her all of her boys wrestled for mm-hmm. me here, and uh, you know, she learned from parents who came through before her, Cheryl Albers and some others, and but. Uh, you know, just Mary Ellen is just an example of just God. What a, what an amazing, an amazing person and supporter of our program. So, when my coaches are handling the guys, those parents are taking care of feeding them and transporting them. And you know, if we're at a national tournament and one of them needs, you know, one of them <laughs> forgot their gear at the hotel. They're running back to get it and bring it back. So, 
Yeah, man, I, I've I, I've been blessed, you know. And and well, if it's okay, guys, we'll go ahead and wrap up with this. And and not to put you on the spot, but I'm sure you've thought about it. Do you have an idea of when uh, your title and the name of your profession is going to change from wrestling coach and teacher to full time fisherman? <laughs> um. I don't know, man. I think I'll always be connected to this sport somehow. I, I'll, I just, I'll never be um, completely done with it. I don't mean that I'm going to continue to coach and all that, but I'll always be a supporter of, of, uh, of this program if, if you know, if they'll have me. And uh, I don't know, you know, my, my, my youngest Caleb graduates this year, and um, I have thought about, you know, in recent years, you know, maybe slowing down a little bit. But we'll we'll see. Um, full as far as full time fisherman goes, who knows, man? I, <laughs> you know, I'd probably just create as many. <laughs> I'd probably get as many mean looks from the guys on the water as I do from officials and other coaches right now. So <laughs> I don't know, man. DNR me, DNR me. Well, if another fisherman ever crosses you, you just go a little cross face action right there, and that ends that dispute. Yeah, right? yeah. Jump well, boats I, and do I, a double leg. Yeah, well, I have a big fish. I have a big, I have a big Fort Mill wrestling sticker on my boat. So hopefully, when I'm out on the water, you know, they'll see that and you know maybe recognize a little bit. So I don't know. You might scare the fish to just jump in the boat. I mean, just hey, whatever it takes, no man. Miles. I'll take it. Whatever, Get in here. whatever. So yeah, but Coach Brock, man, we. We really, really appreciate your time again. Extremely busy time of the year for you, and, and uh, we've taken time away from you and your family. We are very gracious for this, my man. Thank you so much for this favor, and uh, if we can ever repay it moving forward, you let us know, but appreciate your time today. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate it, John. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. And best of thank luck in the, in the States. Thank you. We can certainly use some luck. Thank you. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, legendary Fort Moe wrestling coach, Chris Brock. Yeah. All right. Great interview there with uh, Coach Brock. Oh, what a legend. What a great guy. Um, just you cannot say enough good things about him. Uh, moving on to another great coach that set some records uh, this or set a record this past week. Uh, Going to talk about Fort Mill boys basketball. The Fort Mill Yellow Jackets head coach, Dwayne Hartsoe, he needed one victory this week to tie the Correct. school's all-time record. He needed two wins this week to beat the record and have it to himself. Good week he at was the able, hive. Sorry, it was a good week at the and hive. It was a good week at the hive, and uh, he did that. He accomplished both of those things. Let's go back on Tuesday night against the Spring Valley Vikings. Uh, Spring Valley paid a visit to the hive, and uh, really talking about the boys' game for just a second between the two teams. Um, you looked at it on paper, and you always hate to talk about games on paper but really on paper it looked like one of those that could have come down to the last possession maybe uh but not so it just it didn't pan out that way at all uh it was three to two it really got off to a rough start it was three two fort mill uh with four minutes to play in the first quarter then the score got going a little bit they tied at 10 at halftime it was 18 to 15 and again both teams missing opportunities uh, some of them just point-blank layoffs that weren't getting made uh, by both sides. But the turning point to me was the head coach of the Vikings got warned early in the game for being outside of his box, I think. He, he was given a warning. And that 
kind of came back to bite him a little bit in the second half, was called for a technical foul with 325 left in the third quarter. Now, you would have thought that would have ticked off the Vikings and they would have gone on this great run. It actually was a great run for the Fort Mill Yellow Jackets. Uh, they grew the lead of 37-27, and then the final score uh, as they coasted on through 70 to 37. It was an absolute beatdown. Uh, Fort Mill outscoring them massively in the third and fourth quarters. Uh, you go back and look at the score sheet in that particular game. Um, you look at that third quarter. Jack is outscored on 27 to 8 in the third quarter. That was the difference uh, for the game. You look at the scores. Everybody played. And a lot of Yellow Jackets scored. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven of the fifteen Yellow Jackets scored a point in that game. Uh, tell you how balanced it was: two for Christian, three for Logan Parker. Uh, Will Stump had a great night. Uh, he ended up with eleven. Uh, Gabe Tuper had uh, he had eight. Two for Daryl Carrington. Uh, you had two for Michael Parrish. You had two for Keyshawn Anderson. Zach Jennings had a great night. A.J. Washington. Mitchell Anderson scored a bucket. Braylon McCain had seven. So, Fort Mill got their first region victory of the season. So, moving in on Friday night, and here comes those Clover Blue Eagles. And I don't care who the coaches are, and I don't care who the players are, and I don't care who the officials are. Anytime Fort Mill and Clover – play basketball it's going to come down to some last possession now the players and the coaches have changed a little bit bailey jackson he's no longer the head coach he retired from coaching but he's still the athletic director of clover but another jackson took his place darris jackson uh, a very good basketball coach in his own right and that was a knockdown drag out war friday night in the hive and really just a a back and forth game uh, Clover came in with two region victories. Fort Mill trying to get their second uh, region victory. And that game did come down to the last possession. The final score was 53-50 to 50, Fort Mill. And it honestly shouldn't have been that close. Fort Mill missed five straight free throws down the stretch. And it kind of let Clover just kind of hang around and hang around. And then a controversial call at the end. Uh, and, and I'll be honest with you. I've seen Fort Mill uh, have a situation like that where they were the ones that got fouled and the officials blew their didn't blow their whistle and Fort Mill took the loss. Um, so it just looked like to me the officials were going to let them play out. I think I think the Clover player was fouled, right. but it was a three-point game that had been two free throws with, what, a second left. So it, Fort Mill probably still should have pulled it out there, but that gave Coach Dwayne Hartso win number 178 as head coach of the Fort Mill Yellow Jackets. That makes him the all-time winningest coach in Fort Mill boys basketball history. Also career win number 436. And, and, I, and Mac, I, I loved his quote that he gave you, something along the lines of, when you do something for that long, right. eventually you're going to – run into situations like this and and i talked to his uh his wife carla who's also keeps the book for them and she wasn't even aware of it and when she brought it to his attention he wasn't aware of it um and and knowing how coach is i, I shoot it to you straight i think he was tired of us talking about it uh he wanted to talk about the team he wanted to talk right. about the players he wanted to talk about how do we get region victories and 
And I told a Fort Mill parent this last week, and I, I'd really believe this in my heart of hearts. And this past week, the Jackets kind of proved me right. Coach Hartso is going to make this a playoff team, whether they're kicking and screaming and dragging them into the play. He is going to do, he's done this so many times where a team's kind of been teeter-tottering, not really sure their identity, and all of a sudden, when it's go time, when your back's against the wall, they find a way, and they found a way this week against two tough opponents. Uh, next week doesn't get any easier at Nation Ford and then home to Blythewood, and quite frankly, Fort Mill owes Blythewood one because Fort Mill should have won at Blythewood and, and just got unlucky there at the end so a good day for the boys basketball want to run through the jv and ninth real quick against spring valley ninth grade boys won 30 to 23 jv boys defeated spring valley 28 26 uh against the clover blue eagles ninth grade lost 51 48 jv lost 39 uh 26 jv girls uh against spring valley they defeated uh spring valley 45 24 and then they defeated the Clover Blue Eagles 30-28. to And Coach Henderson and Coach Kissel have those young ladies rocking and rolling. But how about that for Coach Dwayne Hart? So all-time winning as coach in Yellow Jacket history. Yeah, and one thing he did tell me is, you know, he was constantly – I was standing there with uh, Jeremy Weimer of CN2, and he was talking about, you know, it's about the kids. It's not, not about him. And, and one thing I think that he really appreciated – and, you know, with these things, you never really know. And we were talking about how close the game was. You never really know if, if you know, no wins guaranteed. So, but there were several former players of his in the audience. Obviously, they're, you know, he's got some on the bench already that are helping now as assistant coaches. But for him to get that win at home, which, you know, it's comes down to just luck of the draw, versus, you know, how they lost, and then he went to Nation Ford, and, you know, if he were to beat Nation Ford to get it there. So it's it's good that he was able to get it at home, I feel like, I think, in front of a home crowd. You know, of course, it's clever Fort Mill, so Fort Mill didn't make it easy. But it's it's good that I think for him to take a, you know, a deep breath and get it kind of past him and, and not – because we were probably bringing it up to him more and talking about it more, and I'm sure he knew about it more so than he would, you know, had we not been doing our thing. But I think, you know, that's a little extra added pressure to him, you know. So it's it's good that he's yeah. able to get it. And knowing him the way that we do, um, he, it's just not – it's not his style to talk about what he's accomplished. I, I remember the night he got his 400th victory and there was uh, – they made a, a poster board for him. There were – balloons that said 400 and he couldn't wait for those things to be popped and taken down he, they got what he wanted to talk about was hey that this this young person here made a great play here and this one got a little bit further along in development and it's very quickly to move on from those things so you're right mac i think he could not wait to notch 178 now let's move on and, and talk about fort mill basketball who by the way are now two and two in region three five A. It looked very bleak last week, zero oh and two. Now it's two and two. Totally different picture. Uh, let me cover the varsity girls real quick, Keith, and then we'll jump over to you. No, no uh, Tuesday night against the Spring Valley Vikings, uh, Fort Mill uh, hung around with a really good Vikings team for a long, long time. It was nine to eight at the end of the first period, and then Spring Valley took control in the second period. They outscored the Jackets in that second period, 17-8 to to take a 25-17 lead at half. And then Fort Mill gradually got 
into the game, cut the lead to 57 or 53-50, or excuse me, 50-47, I beg your pardon. No, it, it, sorry, I'll say, I messed that up again. Rewind. 43-40, yeah, rewind. But in, in the end, it was all uh, Spring Valley final score, 61 to 53. So the losing streak for the Jackets continues, unfortunately. Uh, skip on into Friday nights against an even better Clover team. That Clover team, I understand Sheriff Hopkins is no longer the coach of Blue Eagles. Um, but uh, Coach Walker, no, they haven't. And, in fact, I, told, I talked to Coach Walker and I talked to their JV coaches and I told them flat out, these were my exact words. I said, Coach Hopkins is no longer here, but the monster she built is continuing to eat people. And they kind of laughed <laughs> yeah, a little bit, but right. then they were like, "Well, thank you," and because I meant that wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. They are—they are just—they're boat racing people. The Eagles are now fourteen and three overall, three and one in region play. Fort Mill, unfortunately, uh, is now zero and four in region three five A. So a deep hole to crawl out of for Coach Nathan Rubel and the Lady Jackets. But there's still a lot of basketball to be played. It's still doable. But, man, the task has gotten a lot harder. And they did well. I mean, did to lose to Clover by only 10 and to stay with them, I mean, they were down by two at half. And to stay with them like that on a team that's ranked sixth in the, in the state in 5A, you know, it shows that, you know, Fort Mill, if they can just tweak some things here and there, you know, they can get it together, they're still in this thing. Yeah, defensively, they're pretty good. Uh, it's getting uh, scoring. um and making some open shots and getting some uh, some offensive rebounds and putbacks. They're getting the offensive rebound, but getting the putbacks, that's where the missing piece is right now. Uh, but they'll get it figured out. Coach Rubel's a really good coach. Uh, he, coach Klippa's still around. Um, he gives a lot of praise to her for building what you see today. And uh, you watch the players play. They're playing hard. Those little young ladies are really, really – they're not just rolling it out there and ho hum. They're, they're really digging and scrapping and clawing. Uh, and Fort Mill Friday night, by the way, uh, they did it without senior Lydia Laney. She was not there, uh, but they still were able to hang with a very tough Clover team. So, again, Lady Jackets are at Nation Ford uh, Tuesday and then home to Blythewood on Friday. So, speaking of the Nation Ford Falcons, Mr. Cook, how did your beloved red and black do last week? Well – you know, we, it's a good segue to go from Fort Mill to Nation Ford since they, we, we have the original Crosstown Milltown series this week. And um, so those two games are going to be very key this week mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the standings yep. for the playoffs. For both, so that's going to be yeah. very, very interesting to say the least. So the boys had a tough task to start the week off by having to uh, play 12-3 and Rock Hill. That's never an easy thing to do. Uh, it was a tight game most of the way. Uh, they hung around with Rock Hill, and that was accomplishment an, an accomplishment in and of itself as they led at halftime by 3-33-30. And the Bearcats entered the game tied for first in Region 3-5A with Blythewood. So a win here would be big for the Falcons, and they got that win, pulling away in the fourth quarter for a 60-50 to victory, giving the Falcons that all-important first win in the region. The Falcons outscored Rock Hill in each of the four quarters, they were led by J.J. Rembert with 21 points, Sheldon Joseph with 14, and Caden Giles had a double-double with 11 points and 12 rebounds. This has them tied for fourth in the region with Fort Mill at that time, which makes this coming Tuesday's game even that much more important. 
The ninth grade boys started it off on Tuesday with a 39-32 win over Rock Hill, and the JV boys won as well, 39-31. Then identical score, or almost an identical score to the ninth grade team. So they're riding high off this win to Rock Hill against Rock Hill, and they traveled to Spring Valley to take on the Vikings. And really, it, it seemed like it would be an easy win based on the fact that Fort Mill uh, beat Spring Valley so badly. Uh, but that's why we don't play them on paper, right? So the Falcons jumped out to a 14-10 lead at the end of the first quarter and then went to the tunnel at halftime with the same margin at 30-26. to uh, Nation Ford was up by 10 going into the fourth, but a furious rally by Spring Valley uh, enabled them to upset the Falcons 55-53. Despite the disappointing loss, Falcons still have a win in the region. They're tied with Spring Valley for the last spot in the playoffs. The other boys' teams, however, were the bright spot on Friday with the ninth graders winning 42-41 in a squeaker and the JV boys pulling out a 42-38 win. Uh, again, the original Milltown rivalry continues at Nation Ford when the Falcons host Fort Mill at 7.30. Then Clover comes a call into the Falcons' nest where Clover's looking to sweep Nation Ford for the season. I'll go to the girls real quick. They open up the week against the defending state champions Rock Hill. Be a tough night for the girls as the Bearcats won easily 53-32. They trailed at halftime by 10, and things certainly didn't get any better in the second half. And unfortunately, the entire girls program, the JV girls, lost to Rock Hill as well, but a much closer game. Then they went to take on Spring Valley Friday, and the 14-4 Vikings made a tough sledding to say the least, as Spring Valley jumped out to an early lead and cruised to a 58-33 blowout, sending the Falcons to 1-3 and in region play and 10-9 and overall. So it looks like we've got some almost some playoff basketball coming up here this week now that all these teams have four games left in the region left to play. Yeah, it seems like the comeback around, the circle back well, aspect of things is coming at, back. After Tuesday night is played, that is exactly the halfway point. Okay. So, so what Mac just said is 100 oh, yeah, percent true. So now you got to basically yeah. just yeah. flip everything. Flip everything, yeah. And this, so now everybody you played on the road now has to come to to the nest or to the hive, and, and vice versa. So, um, but but that's why I say a lot of basketball left to be played because it's a totally different beast having a team that you went on the road and had a tussle with. Now they got to come to your house. It's going to be a little bit of a different flow to it. Especially uh, psychologically. It, it, it really does. Because you went toe-to-toe with them, you know them. And how many times in sports do we talk about a team that lost the first time around, finds a way to win the second time around? It's really hard to beat somebody twice mm-hmm. or even three times. So, right. well, should especially, be interesting. Especially for teams like, say, Blythewood, Fort Mill. Fort Mill, you know, almost won that at Blythewood. You know, they led from the majority of the game. Now Blythewood's got to come here. So, yeah, with little home court advantage, it shouldn't be an issue. Um, but speaking of, of home court advantage, that was not the issue for Catawba Ridge as they lost earlier in the week, the boys, 65-61 to 61 to Lancaster. Um, it was one of those games where, you know, Catawba Ridge started quickly but then just kind of, you know, fizzled down the stretch. They had a lot of turnovers in the third quarter. And even Coach Childers even said afterwards that they just got rattled. You know, it was a it was a top ten matchup with with um, Catawba Ridge being eighth and Lancaster being second in the state at that time. Now they both kind of have dropped some, but uh, 
you know, Catawba Ridge was able to bounce back going to Indian Land, who was ranked six in the state or still ranked six in the state. And they were able to grab a game at Indian Land, beating the Warriors 64-59. Zion Hager, 21 points. Uh, Lance Barnes with 18. So Catawba Ridge is 16-4 overall and 2-2 two and two in Region 3-4A. Again, um, they got a big week coming up. They've got Northwestern. Um, they're going to Northwestern on, I guess, rivalry night where everybody else is at Fort Mill Nation Ford. Catawba Ridge and their crew are going to Northwestern to play them. And the Catawba Ridge ladies basically uh, pummeled, again, both Lancaster and Anyland and are sitting at 3-1 and one in the region and sitting pretty pretty good. I mean, sitting pretty, pretty that even makes sense. Pretty pretty. But <laughs> we um, are in the south, so it makes a yeah, lot of sense. So yeah. they're sitting they're sitting pretty in uh in the region. So again, it's just one of these things where now you, you've seen somebody for the first time and now you're starting to see them for the second time. You're either playing them again on the road or they're coming to your house and now's a good time to grab those wins that slip through the fingers when you're on the road. And the region title could still be between Catawba Ridge and South Point. South Point, Catawba Ridge, yeah. Um, you know, I think it was a it was a I know Coach Childers was kinda of let down with letting that lead slip away against Lancaster and for them to bounce back and beat any land at a pretty, you know, loud and, and, and energetic Indian land facility, for them to be able to bounce back and get a win there on the road, it it, it says a lot that it's, it should help them down the stretch because now they obviously still have to go to Lancaster to play, which is a is a pretty daunting place because that place gets packed. Real, they love their basketball down in Lancaster, but they are, uh, they're very knowledgeable, they're very boisterous, and they're on top of you as well. They're right on top of you, and they bring it. They really do. And South Point needs to come to the arena and play, you know, Catawba Ridge. So you know that's a, that's. One win that you know Catawba Ridge can get back if they can get it at home, that would obviously be beneficial for them in regards to the playoffs. So, almost to the halfway point of basketball, where has the time gone? But again, a lot of basketball left to be played, and you've got some teams fighting for their playoff life. You've got some that are now just jockeying for a position in that middle pack, and then you've got the cop, the Lady Copperheads, who are squarely right there near the top right. fighting for the region championship in the Catawba Ridge boys hey yeah a lot of basketball left to be played and like you said South Point they got to come down and to Fort Mill Parkway and and step into the pit we'll see how that turnabout's fair play right right and it should come down in regards to the girls it should come down to South Point and and the Lady Copperheads it's just a matter of you know South Point is incredibly strong um they dropped their first game of the year uh, yesterday, in fact, to Camden, who's, you know, number one in 3A. Yeah. So that's, that's you know, that was a, a tough tough matchup. So it should be an interesting take, especially the second half of region season. So going to finish the show by talking about one particular uh, spring sport. Going to talk about baseball. Uh, real quick, uh, the state newspaper, like they do every single year, they come out with their preseason top 10, and they go through 5A, 4A, 3A, 2A, 1A. And obviously, the town of Fort Mill represented in these two polls. 
uh, in 5A. Uh, Fort Mill, the defending upper state champions. I guess you're not really defending anything now. It's a brand new season, new teams, new everything. Berkeley, the defending state champion, their preseason number one. Uh, I can see that because they did lose some pieces, but the majority of their team is returning. Uh, Somerville, two. River Bluff, three. Fort Mill, fourth, as I stated. Lexington, fifth. The Clover Blue Eagles, sixth. The Blythewood Bengals, seventh. What does that mean? Well, think about it this way. Region of death. The region (laughs) of doom or death or hell or whatever you want to call it. Region 35A. Six teams and three of the six teams – in the, are in the preseason top ten. Top yeah. 10. If you look at the schedules that Fort Mill and Nation Ford have to play, look at who they're playing. Almost 20 games against teams that went to the stinking playoffs last year. So if Fort Mill is going to go back and win the state championship, man, it's going to be tough. Uh, am I saying they can't do it? Heavens no. Of course they can a lot of talent left in the Yellow Jacket locker room. Um, of the 25 players that were on the playoff roster, 17 are returning, so of course they can. Uh, for the Nation Ford Falcons, don't forget, again, don't look at their overall record. They made it to their district championship game. Yes, they lost some pieces, but Keith, they've got some pieces coming back as well under head, new head coach uh, Stack. Right, and... Um... Yeah, we were we were laughing about this uh, the other day about how you know they went eight and twenty last year, but somehow they got to the district championship and they they had to defeat some tough teams along the way, and even they took two out of three out of the from the Yellow Jackets this year, who are the you know upper state champions, and, and so actually, anything but, can happen. Not doing it, sorry. They've actually taken four of the last six, right, against but, Fort Mill. But the the and, season and, that and, Fort Mill had last year, but, two out of three. But my argument in the defense of head coach Mike Lewis, who's now at, at Catawba Ridge, but mm-hmm. to end his defense, look at the schedule they had to play. It tells you how hard Region Three Five A was last year, and it also tells you just how good baseball was in the town of Fort Mill for the Falcons to get to the district championship game. And by the way, they had to play Blythewood, right? And now they're that's a region opponent, so it's just it it's going to be tough it's a hard road to hoe uh the catabridge copperheads they're in 4a uh the east side eagles they're preseason number one of course they are uh ac floor they're always up there catabridge is third then james island north myrtle beach lawrence hartsville greenwood south lawrence then lugolf elgin and north augusta so the copperheads again victorious in the postseason made their district championship game couldn't quite get over that hump. Uh, yes, they lost Harrison Wilson and Grayson Wild and some others. But again, Coach Stoss has some returning guys that can play games, and and they're pretty good. They are good, and um, I expect that they'll be a playoff contender. They'll be a, a contender to win Region Three Four A. And I'm going to go back to Region Three Five A real quick. Um, we talk about how we've got Clover and Fort Mill in the top ten, and Blythewood for that matter. Uh, let's not sleep on teams like Rock Hill and Spring Valley either, because those those are going to be some tough outs as well. So the the schedule is going to be loaded for both Fort Mill and Nation Ford this year. Well, let's talk about that for a second. So Fort Mill last year in the playoffs had to take on Dorman and beat the Cavaliers. That's always fun. And then they had to go on the road and play who? Spring Valley. And they had to beat the Vikings in their own ballpark, then had to come back and play Dorman again. So 
You see where I'm going with this? Now mm-hmm. Spring Valley is a regional opponent. And then Fort Mill had to beat Blythewood in the district championship game. And now the Bengals are a region opponent. Mm-hmm. It it's Region 35A is stupid good. It, it is going to be – I can honestly see it where teams literally eat each other. And by the end of the regular season, they're waving a little white flag, no moss, no moss. <laughs> and you've got this region champion that's got three losses and then – Get, I, I'll say it again. I really believe there's going to be tiebreaker situations with that five and six spot. Who who gets shown the door in that third and fourth? Who gets in? Because remember, Fort Mill was third last year. Nation Four was fourth, and they both made their district championship game. Clover was was first. They did not. So, well, and it's it's um, another one of those things where if you look at the the team that does not make the playoffs this year, that could probably do well in the playoffs if they were in there you know what i mean so it's just a a, it's gonna be a crazy season i'm looking forward to that yeah can't wait to and like coach brock said when he walks outside he can hear the pings of the bats uh at fort mill high school yes they are it's a great Uh, sound yeah it is it really is and um it really is great to see it warms my heart because it, it tells me baseball's around the corner which i'm juiced up about and it also tells me that it's about time uh, to get back in the broadcast booth and, and broadcast some games for, for you as well, Keith. So looking forward to that. Fellas, you got anything else? Did you just say you're on the juice? Oh, you're juiced up. My That's, fault. Is, is that, that a like, hashtag? I, I don't know. I'm too old to even <laughs> know did. what that means. What? Right, exactly. Exactly. Might have to okay. ask my kid. <laughs> <laughs> That's my kid. So, again, special thanks to uh, wrestling head coach uh, Chris Brock, a legend at Fort Mill High School. Great uh, interview. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate his time as always. And if you'd like to be on Mally Mill Towners, please reach out to one of us and let us know. We'd be, we would love to talk to you about it. But, fellas, we'll be back again next week where we're going to talk more about basketball and wrestling, but we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about baseball. I'm going to see if we can't have a special guest on next week as well, working on that. We'll see how it goes. But, folks, please go out there and leave us a, uh, a review on Apple, or if you've got anything, any kind of feedback at all, positive or negative, let us have it. We'd love to hear it. Uh, more and more listeners each week, and we certainly, certainly appreciate the support. We would not be here without you fine people. So on behalf of my buddies, Keith Cook, he's Mac Banks, I'm John Turner. Until next week, so long, everybody.